podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot. I am here in my field in beautiful rural Ireland and I am still Trev Downey and we are joined as ever by Jan Malby for this week's show so we can talk about the Reds. So let's waste no time and greet the man himself. How are you, Jan? Excellent. Thanks, Trevor. I hope you're well too. Uh, that's two wins on a bounce now. Yes, it's... <laughs> It's turned into something of a habit again, uh, he said very warily. Uh, we should just get straight into that one because it, my overriding emotion, I won't lie to you, and maybe it's because I've just had too much stress this year with it. With it. I was kind of irritated for most of that match, Jan. I, I, I'm just irritated. It was like... We were doing the, the the sort of pointless possession thing for most of the first half that we did against Leeds. And then we just seemed to be so freaking frail and vulnerable to any anything at all. And the sequence of long throws, man. I mean, what was that about? What, at what point do that group of footballers, leaders, one and all, brilliant, like incredible men, Surely someone pulls somebody one side and says, right, okay, here's what we're going to do here. But no, we're hacking at clearances. They're going halfway up in there. Their headers going spinning around and coming back into the box. Clown cars. I was absolutely furious by the end of that match, including the fact that we won. I'm not I'm not taken away from that. And we did show character to come back and get the lead three times. But do, do you see where I'm going with that? Did, did you feel any of that yourself or were you immune to it? Um. I'm not convinced I was I was angry at the end of it all, but I did think that it would all be more convincing. You know, I thought that the the, the scoreline would be more convincing. I thought the performance would be more convincing. And at times, I was looking, I'm thinking, why are we no better than this? I mean, you know, after the Leeds performance where we thought, I liked the Leeds performance, especially the second half. I know the Leeds are not much, but... And I knew it would be tricky against Forrest. I just didn't think we were going to get ourselves into any kind of trouble. But we did. So, you know, it's almost like one step forward and that same step backwards, isn't it? You know, we just, we just, sometimes you say one step forward, one step back, but this is one step forward and that same step backwards, isn't it? You know what I mean? So we're kind of back now where I'm not sure where we're at. You know, and already, you know, I'm thinking Wednesday and West Ham of, hit a little bit of a you know it's probably the best spell they've had in the season is and all of a sudden now I'm thinking this is this is going to be tricky as well isn't it because if if we're so vulnerable and so fragile from crosses and what West Ham and David Moyes they're going to love that aren't they you know he's got to, and he's yeah. 
Yeah. He's got that Thomas Suchek. He's going to stick in there and go, see how you deal with this. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and they've got they've got all the tricks that upset us. The the to be fair to the kid who who was on the books at, at our place for a long time, Awani. I thought he he really enjoyed himself, didn't he? Uh, the the duel with um, with for the most part it was with Kanate, um, and I kind of liked watching that. Uh, it was a bit of a throwback. The struggle between the two of them, but you know they've also like West Ham will have the likes of 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 um, of um, Antonio who's got that pace to get in behind us, and as you say, they can throw crosses into the box all day as well. So yeah, look, we'll talk about them later on. But just in terms of uh, to get to one of the key issues that we were talking about last week, which is the Trent experiment. How did you feel that went uh, against uh, Forest? Because for me it seemed to be almost a bit forced to the extent that as far as I could see anyway uh, Ibu Kanate was getting on the ball nearly more than Trent was because it, it seemed almost like we were trying to force the position now he, Trent did a few good bits on the ball don't get me wrong, there was one or two passes that only he could play, incredible passes one diagonal forward pass just incredible but I'm not sure if it was as 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 effective as it had been against Leeds. Um, what was your take on it, watching it? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Trent on the ball because the thought Trent on the ball was excellent. Uh, but I think the thing with, mm. with, with Trent's role against Leeds, it almost lent itself to it. Mean, there was so much space, wasn't it? You know, Klopp had obviously said, whenever there's an opportunity, step into midfield, Make, a, make an overload in there. And there was so much opportunity to do that against Leeds. And I guess, and I still don't think that long-term that Trent's going to be a midfield player. Uh, and I think that if teams do what Forrest do and they go, we're going to put somebody in the space where Trent wants to be, then it becomes, I think then it becomes a difficult job. Uh, it's a m- bit more difficult to stop Manchester City doing that because of the way they play. They play in a different way uh, and they'll show a lot more patience to try and create that space for more, more often than not, John Stones, isn't it? Whereas I'm not sure it's a... The idea of getting Trent in there... The idea of Trent is always for Trent to play quick, isn't it? It's always for Trent to play that pass as as quick as he sees it, isn't it? You know what I mean? So it will always be different to the way the City do that role, in it? But I've just got a feeling that long-term, Premier League teams are going to find a way, maybe not of stopping City using somebody in there, but they're going to find a way of us stopping Trent being as effective stepping in there as he is playing right back. I, I still think going forward, we're going to get the most from Trent as a, as a right back, you know, assists and, and passes forward and whatever. And so, but I was glad you mentioned him on the ball. There was nothing wrong with him on the ball. He was excellent again on the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there were there was a lot of good stuff to take from the game overall. I only mentioned the irritation at the, at the start because exactly what you described as the one step forward, one step back thing. I, I think we're all ready for a period of consistent progress and improvement. Uh, and that's what we're all desperate for. And just didn't really feel like that to me. Um, but there are there were things to take away from that. Of course, not, nothing better than another pair of goals for uh, Diogo Jota, which, you know, is going to be badly needed to have that kid in form for the run-in and obviously into next year as well. Um, 
that for sure was something that we could take from and i thought actually his general industry was good as well um it, he looks like the, the 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 scoring last week has really had that confidence effect on him it's it's great to see isn't it it's it's sort of it's like i say it's going to be pretty crucial for us uh, in this run i think i think the biggest compliment you can pay him is that he looked like shotter you know uh, you look. You yeah. look at his his, his contribution. Uh, obviously, the main contribution of the two goals, isn't it? But there's other things in his play. Uh, there was another header where he probably should have scored. Uh, but that first header, it's just perfect shot, isn't it? It looks like the yeah. Forest defender is the favourite, but he doesn't allow that, does he? And then the second goal, uh, sort of very calm, and which he is takes it down, isn't it? And then there's still a little bit of an unclean sort of finish, isn't it? You know what I mean? But gets into the back of the net. So yeah. That'll be absolutely massive. Uh, goal threats, Trevor. You know, it's it's what you need, isn't it? We we used to have at least three, sometimes four goal threats. We've we've struggled of late, isn't it? So have him back amongst the goals. And again, you have to give credit to Jurgen and the and the backroom staff. He was fit, and they decided to give him a goal to get him back. You know, and I I think had he not scored against Leeds, I still think they would have persevered with him and gone. Listen, we've got to get this boy going again. You know, I mean, there's there's too much in him for us not to give him an opportunity to find his feet again. And it looks like he's found them. It sure does. Um, We'll finish on an up note again in a minute, but just to to pull apart some of the things that you'd be a little bit worried about, the concession of those two goals. First one was from a throw-in, and I think it was played to Gibbs-White, and he plays the ball into what is literally, well, not literally, but, you know, acres of space. Uh, for Nico Williams is running onto it. Um, I think his shot is deflected off Robbo, which helps it go past Ali. So that's unfortunate. But it, the real worry is the the simplicity of Gibbs White coming in from left to right, just picking out a pass there, and a fella unchallenged. Um, and then the second goal is from one of those freaking long throws. Uh, just got cleared to the edge of the box. In other words, not cleared. And Gibbs White hits the volley in, and there's two deflections on this one. So you could say there's a little bit of misfortune, um, but you could also say that it's it's really scrappy defending. It's lads not knowing where they should be, uh, runners not getting tracked, and people not being in position. Um, and that that is a worry. That is really a worry. As you say, we play a proper outfit like West Ham. That's going to that's going to be a real concern. Um, did you see anything sort of as you were watching the team that you're, you know, when you actually get to see the game properly, you can see shapes and you can see shapes on the pitch and you can see when there are issues happening. Was there something that you noticed there or do you think it was just sloppiness in general? I, th- I think it just continued in the vein that our season has been so far. Uh, and that is that mm-hmm. we, we, we find it very difficult to be in good positions. Uh, our strength for five years was to be in good positions with and without the ball. We're now having a period where we're not in good positions. And there's nothing worse in a game of football than not to be in good positions. The, you know, we it's very basic in the starting positions. Make sure your starting position is good and you've got a chance. I agree. You know, we, we sort of got Gibbs White for the first goal under control, haven't we? But all he's got to do then is open up his body and play that pass in and you think, wow, is he really that free? Yeah, I agree. Gets a deflection and Ali's already set himself for, for a low shot. And then the fact that he goes up there, he can't get up there quick enough. 
Uh, and the second one, yeah, the two deflections in a book, you know, again, from a long throw in with 15 players in a penalty box, he should never, never ever get that amount of space. And then, of course, we've got one uh, to go where the substitute Brennan Johnson hits a crossbar, where I probably feel a player of his quality should have scored that. But that's another sort of set piece with loads of bodies in the box. And you think, how is that possible? You know, it's like, what are we concerned with? Are we concerned with space? Are we concerned with people? Be concerned with the ball, first and foremost, isn't it? It gives you a chance. Isn't it? So there's plenty of things to, to make you worry. I mean, this is a Forest team that couldn't score away from home. I think they only scored five prior to coming to our place and all of a sudden they get themselves two and possibly scored about three. So that, you, you, you cannot hide that under the, the carpet, Trevor. That's a worry. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 and you know... It- I, I, it's not one that you see disappearing. There's a sort of a general lack of confidence or something there um, in the team that's just lo- looks like it's not going to go away. But if we can keep working on the likes of Jota, um, maybe we'll manage to outscore teams uh, when we're being uh, a little bit sloppy at the back. And it's notable that it was a, 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 an error which allowed Leeds to get their goal as well from maybe Canate in the last game too. So... Yeah, definitely things that we need to sort of um, keep an eye on there or try to work on. But at least we have our main man really firing now. And what a, an achievement this fella has uh, leveled there now with Robbie Fowler and the goals. And it's only a matter of time before he starts pushing on up that list, I believe. Um, that if, if, if Diogo Jota getting back in the mood is, is a great thing. Mo Salah being the effective Mo Salah is another great thing. And honest to God, Jan, how he scores that when he's basically wearing Freuler as a suit, uh, you know, uh, the lad is all over him. And it's just such a a deliberate uh, connection into the bottom corner. This is what we want to see from Mo. Physical strength, Trevor. I don't know if you saw Sky Sports Copies last Monday against Leeds and Ben Mee. Uh, the defender who's now at Brentford, who used to be at Burnley, he was talking about Mo's strength. He said, the first time I played against him, he said, I went close and I, and I thought I could sort of bully him. He said, I've never, ever felt power like it, you know. Uh, and, and, and that's where you see that. But, and I like Mo's because a lot of footballers' first thought in situations like that is to look for the foul, isn't it? His first thought is to stay on his feet to increase his chances of scoring a goal. And, and, and I like that. It is very, very difficult uh, to have somebody climbing all over you like that and, and still to have the composure. I thought he played ever so well uh, against Leeds and I thought yet again against uh, Forrest. There wasn't as many open-cut uh, uh, chances as against Leeds, but nevertheless, he was there, wasn't he? He looked sharp. Don't rule out that. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy 
by searching for Anfield Index. Him and Jota between now and the end of the season get anything to up with 12, 13, 14 between them, you know what I mean? But both in good form. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about this achievement of um, Mo Salas because where he is now, it, like his his goal to game ratio is outrageous. Um, and I wonder what you think is realistically achievable for the fella uh, in terms of uh, a total. Now, of course, it all depends on him staying around at the club and the summer you know, we know what his contract is, but the summer is going to be very interesting and um, I'm still a little bit nervous that there might have to be some sort of, um, you know, a big gesture like that to fund player recruitment, which I, I think would be daft. Why, why would you ever get rid of Mo Salah? But anyway, assuming that he stays around, uh, and I don't know how big of an if that is, he's now three off Stevie Gerrard um, and he is... What is it now? 8317. Yo, he is he's about 40 odd goals off Billy Little. Um, which if he has a good run till the end of the season, he could possibly even overhaul next season into fourth position. And then Gordon Hodgson is only another twenty odd goals ahead in third place. I mean, he could potentially, I think if he stays around for a couple of years, almost catch Roger Hunt. It it would mean that he'd have to score another 100 goals for Liverpool. But this lad is such a unit. He is in such ridiculous physical shape. And I don't see him stopping doing that. He's very, very proud of his physical uh, condition. I, I think it's really possible. I think it's 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 really really possible. What do you what do you make of his achievement overall anyway? And what do you think is achievable for him in terms of whole uh, overhaul and some of those names I mentioned? He's he's greedy, but he's greedy in a good way. He's greedy yeah. in that he wants to continue to score goals. You know, he he couldn't imagine himself playing football without being able to score as many goals as he's been used to. You know, and that's the greed, isn't it? I'm not talking about the greed on the pits and go, I'm going to shoot instead of passing through. I'm talking about the greed in terms of his planning, isn't it? And that's where you talk about being in great physical shape, continue to be in great physical shape, uh, having to change things if he has to because he wants to be able to continue in the vein that he's always been playing at. Whereas some other players will sort of accept that things will change as you get older. I don't think this kid will will will, will ever accept that he'll 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 always want him to do things the way he's always done that and he will keep pushing himself uh physically uh there's no doubt so when you talk about what what is possible i mean i was there with you know obviously with with, with ian russ uh, i remember when a young fowler came through and we thought wow here we go uh he's going to go on and break all sorts of records and that just proves how difficult it is you know you you, yeah. you have these you have these young, I mean, Rusty wasn't as young as Michael Owen or Robbie Fowler and neither was Mo. Uh, so that's where they had the edge and that's why you thought, but it just proves how difficult it is. You come in and for two or three seasons, you're ripping it up and scoring and scoring and scoring and almost impossible to maintain, isn't it? Because it needs a very specific mentality. Roger Hunt, I mean... Yeah, if we don't sell him, Mark, I couldn't imagine 
why we'd want to sell him. I think if you look at Robbie Fowler went for reasons that him and Gerard Julia will know. Uh, Michael Owen obviously went and whatever, isn't it? But we, we, the best example is probably Ian Russ. We sold Ian Russ and, and came out of that looking really good, isn't it? But I think that's a one-off, isn't it? So I can't see why we'd want to sell Mo Salah because I don't think it's something we're going to come out of looking particularly well. And I can't see that if we get X amount of million that we're going to be able to reproduce something that's going to make up for the goals that we're going to be losing. Uh, so he'll obviously take care of Gerard's record. He'll take care of Billy Little's. It's, it's kind of a, the, the Billy Little. It's 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 a sad one, isn't it? Because you know Billy belonged in an era where there, there wasn't an awful lot of footage of what he did. But you speak to people who were around that time, just went incredible. You know, you'll never see a player like him again. I, I don't know, uh, but uh, he'll take care of both of those. Uh, and then, of course, Gordon Hodgson is also back in the day, isn't it? Uh, Roger's the interesting one. You know, 100 goals, it's possible. Three and a bit seasons, of course it's possible. Uh, and also, in a way, it'd be something to celebrate and, and equally a little bit sad, isn't it? Uh, but no, it's, it's, it's possible. But it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's without any shadow of going to be tough. He he probably needs to stay on penalties, Trevor. Uh, I, I saw there was something about Klopp said he was going to have a word with him. I mean, who Fabinho probably? James Miller doesn't play a lot, but but I think if he stays on penalties, that will probably give him another twenty goals over the next three years, isn't it? So he'll probably need those, and it's going to be tight. It's going to be interesting. What he's achieved already. The, the thing is that you buy. You buy somebody to come in and score your goals, Fernando Torres. Uh, and I think Fernando Torres did exactly what I expected of him. Mm. Uh, Mo Salah has, on every front, in my eyes, overachieved because I didn't think, boy, he'd done any of that was possible. I'd seen him. You know, I'd seen him play for the, for the clubs he'd had, he'd had before uh, and thought, yeah, he's OK. Uh, but never saw what we've seen since. So in every aspect of the game, he's overachieved and credit's got to go to him for that. When you think about the output, it's 1.63, every a goal every 1.63 games. It's outrageous. Um, you know, uh, Gerrard's every 3.82 games, Billy Little every 2.34, Roger every 1.73, Rushy every 1.91. Gordon Hodgson has the, the best uh, ratio every 1.56 games. He, he scores up 241 in 377. It's a remarkable achievement, that by Gordon Hudson. And all it does is when you see these numbers and you think of what Mo's been putting together, these phenomenal seasons, back-to-back seasons, um, even one where he's supposedly uh, underperforming, which by his own incredibly high standards, he is and has been since the middle of last season in terms of just basic output goals. Uh it's such a monumental level of attainment and achievement again and again and again. Tell you what, Jan, what does that say about your mate, Rushy? I mean, holy shit, what an achievement. 346 goals. That can never be touched. No one's getting near that, man. It's remarkable. You, you just can't imagine, can you, Trevor, uh, what it takes. You know, you set yourself down and work out what it takes to get to those numbers. And then you go, have you got the appetite for that? Well, most people wouldn't, would they? Most people wouldn't have the appetite for trying to get themselves to 346 goals and what that requires over the, what was Russia there in the end? Uh, 
what's it, 13 years or 14 years uh, with his little break to, uh, to Italy, isn't it? You know, you try and get to those numbers, even in all those seasons, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely frightening, isn't it? Frightening, yeah. That's the only way of describing it, absolutely. Do, 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 you, do you remember, I know you, you guys are, are, are pals, and do you remember talking to, to Rushi at the time when he came back uh, from Juventus, from that spell where some people tried to dress it up as a, a bit of a failure, but he got plenty of goals out there too because he's just a class act. Um, but what what was behind him coming back so quickly? Did, did, what's the what was the, what's the story there? Well, the story is that he told us that he just didn't settle. Uh, it just wasn't for him. Uh, I, I, I've never ever specifically heard him talk about that the game wasn't, uh, although the game is played in a different way, uh, you know, and a lot of people made a lot of, of that in that a lot of teams in, in Italy at the time played with a sweep and two-man markers and the build-up was a bit slow and whatever, but I've never ever heard him say that the game wasn't to my liking. I said when he went in 1987, we'll never see him back. He'll go to Juventus, he scored a million goals, they'll never want to let him go. Uh, he didn't quite get to a million goals, uh, but I just don't think he settled. Uh, and that happens. That is a massive big part of it. Uh, it's very important to settle. And I just don't think he did. That's the only story I've ever heard. And I believe that. Uh, you mentioned that he still got his goals in Italy. He did. He didn't get the amount of goals that he was used to, but he still got them. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, Juventus were quite happy with him. Uh, but in the end, if a player wants to go, you know, I always think that every time I see him, you know, in, in, in different shirts, the club said he, he only ever looks right in the Liverpool shirt, doesn't he? You know, he was a little, <laughs> yeah, he, was a, he was a Liverpool player, wasn't he, Trevor? There's other players, you know, you know, Ronaldo in all his shirts and whatever, he looks, he looks right in all of them, isn't it? But wish he was a Liverpool player. So it felt right that he tried it, uh, but it even felt more right that he decided that he was, and of course, that's a big call, isn't it, for him to come back? You know, he could have come back to another club, you know, he could have gone, oh, I don't want to go back to Liverpool, you know what I mean? But I think he wanted to go back to Liverpool, you know what I mean? That was the whole thing, wasn't it? He wanted to go back to Liverpool and play for Liverpool because that's just where he felt at his best. I guess he didn't have uh, a Bruce Grobler to meet him uh, in a pub in his early days and leave him there to talk to the locals like happened to a certain Danish lad. <laughs> I, 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 I told Michael Laudrup, Michael Laudrup was, was there at Juventus and said, look after me, mate. Obviously, he failed. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable, hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. You remember, of course, 
how regularly we were linked with your pal Michael. Uh, oh, I so really wanted that to happen. Were you were, were you aware of that story as players? Was it something that you talked about? Well, because it was so it was it was so. We, no, go ahead. Sorry. We we were, we were linked with Michael before I arrived at Liverpool, but it was a massive story in Denmark because already then. Uh, in 1982, when he was 18, Michael, I think everybody already realised then that, you know, this is going to be a rare, rare talent. Uh, so, of course, and again, it's this being linked to a club in England, which at that time was massive for any player from mainland Europe. Uh, so, when I joined Liverpool, and I got settled in, and, you know, you sort of get around to who's your mate and whatever, and then early on in my international career, shared a room with Michael and whatever. And then we got around to talking about Michael, you know, and they said, oh, he nearly came here. I said, yeah, I know he did, yeah. They said, how do you think it would have gone on? I said, oh, he wouldn't have had a problem. Michael would have been able to settle in you know, to anything in his. But there was a disagreement over the length of the contract. I think Liverpool were quite prepared to sign him on a four-year contract. And I think Michael didn't want to be locked into a four-year contract just in case a very physical British game wasn't to his liking. Uh, so he wanted to show us a contract and uh, Liverpool walked away from one there. Many unusual. Probably one that they maybe sometime look back and go, he'd have looked okay in that team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much one of the ones that got away for sure. You're, just one last thing. I, I remember you were talking about Rushy in different shirts. Like uh, you saw him in a Newcastle shirt that looked wrong. You saw him in a Juventus shirt that looked wrong. But I will never forget the day that I woke up to get my shoot magazine and there he was in a Everton shirt. Do you remember that April Fool's gag that, that was pulled out? It was a bit of a classic. <laughs> and I don't think you were the only one who fell for that one, Trevor. You know, it was him with no, wasn't it? But it's, it's, yeah, to yeah, be absolutely. fair, it's like in a roundabout way, it's believable, isn't it? You know, because there was a lot of those boys who grew up as as, as Everton fans, isn't it? Uh, you know, Rushy was really close with Howard Kendall. I know that because I was often with them. Uh, uh, went to Royal Ascot together and whatever. And so I, I know of their friendship, isn't it? So, but yeah, no, I, I think Rushy was, he was too big, wasn't he? To cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'd be, yeah, yeah, yeah. been others, there'd been others, wouldn't it? And, and then, you know, in my time, uh, the late Gary Ablett and, and Peter Bates and both of them did ever so well in the book. Rushy was too big. Rushy was too big. Uh, I think we can probably leave it at that in terms of what's happened in that last game and hopefully maybe the positives will outweigh the negatives. I'm curious to get your take now on what you think is happening. We moved up a, a single spot uh, to seventh. Um, we now sit a point behind uh, Villa, who are who have a game more played. And we are three points behind Tottenham, who have two games more played. Oh, sorry, no, they have a game more played as well. So uh, they both look as if they're overhaulable. I think people are starting to let themselves dream that Manchester United are going to hit the skids. But unfortunately, I think their late uh, penalty dramatics might rally them a little bit now. But I think people are starting to hope that maybe some miracle might happen there. If 
there was ever a way to achieve uh, a really highly unusual thing, uh, overhauling United to get into fourth would be the dream, of course. Um, but as you're looking at it now, did you you're looking at the way the tables panned out over the last the last set of fixtures? Still thinking that fifth spot is uh, very attainable for Liverpool, given the proximity now of Villa and Tottenham in terms of points. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, uh, I, I like Villa. I like the job that Unai Emery's done. But I just think that everything they do is hard work. They don't have that class to coast through games. So every game they're flat to the board. And I think there'll be games like the one they had on Saturday where they were a bit flat. They were second best to Brentford, lucky to get away with a point. And of course, we got a massive, massive meltdown in North London. In, in fairness, probably both of them, Arsenal and Spurs. Uh, but Spurs are having a proper wobble. Uh, and I'm just not sure I can see them turning things around. Uh, their next game is Manchester United. The game after is away at Anfield. Uh, so I think they're in real trouble. And of course, the good news now with uh, Manchester United and Manchester City playing the FA Cup uh, should mean that the fifth and the sixth are now going to go to Europa League places, five and six is going to go to teams who finish fifth and sixth instead of the FA Cup winners because it looks more and more like the FA Cup winner is going to be in the Champions League which then means that fifth and sixth place in the, in the Premier League will qualify for Europa League. United are nine points ahead of us with a game in hand. They've also got some tough games coming up, isn't it? But I just think they're so strong at home. And I think that'll be enough to get them over the line. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, interesting to hear all the fawning going on about Newcastle United. Um, I know it's sticking in the craw of some people because they have... Uh, extreme issues with the ownership there um, and uh, they're, they're not shy about expressing those those feelings and, and fair play uh, you know whatever people are entitled to their opinions and I might share some of them um, but Newcastle I think if they get Champions League you're going to see an awful lot of money getting spent this summer um, and it's looking now like they probably will get Champions League um, I'm looking at the top of the table though, and you've already alluded to it. I wanted to ask you about this. Do you think it might have swung uh, definitively now the title uh, race towards City? They've got two games in hand, and they are five points behind. It means it's in their hands, and you, they're pretty ruthless when they get on a run, aren't they? Uh, you you would. I, I, I would say they're absolutely favourites now, even though they are five points behind. Or, or, or would you agree? No, I I agree. But it's, I mean, we can look at the league table and we can look and it's it's, it's five points in it. But I think the story is bigger than that. You know, I think this game on Wednesday, Manchester City-Arsenal, have come a month too late for Arsenal. I just think Arsenal have, have, have ran into a, a little bit of a difficult time. Their, their main defender, William Saliba, he's out injured and that's really... Uh, affected them so too easy to play against gone from being almost impossible to play against uh, they were very good with and without the ball now they're too easy we saw it on Friday night which in fairness was a spectacular game of football Arsenal Southampton but Southampton created too many chances it was too easy and if Southampton can do that you know yeah so yeah it's uh, it's Manchester City's now uh, which you know I'm not a big fan of it I'm not a big fan of this you know you know, we ran them very close and Arsenal are going to run them very close in it, but we can't have them winning the title every year. Uh, that's, that's for sure. And in terms of Newcastle, I don't think anyone is, is, is 
is is supporter of 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 their owners. Uh, but I think as a sporting spectacle, uh, we now have a top seven or a big seven instead of a big six because they're in there now, aren't they, Newcastle? Uh, and and they get into the Champions League, they're going to be difficult to control. You know, and it's a real it's a real challenge even to likes of, of Liverpool. You know, because you're looking at Newcastle are going to be in there every year, every other year, isn't it? It's it's another one. You know, and I was talking to somebody involved with Spurs yesterday. He said, everything is on hold at Spurs. You know, everything for next season is on hold because it doesn't look like they're going to be in the Champions League. And if they're not in the Champions League, then all plans change in terms of recruitment and everything else. Yeah. Isn't that's how important it is to them. Yeah, that's that's a real mess for them. Uh do you do you have a good feeling on whether Eddie Howe stays around? There's a lot of uh, a lot of like I said um, praise for him. I, sometimes I wonder when I see some where, where the praise is coming from. I wonder is it because he's a, a young Englishman? You know, um, is that an awful lot of of why he's being hyped up? Or could we say it's justifiable um, um, for for what he's achieving there? And do you think he'll have done enough? I've always thought, maybe I'm being cynical, but I've always thought next season he was a goner and they were going to get some high-profile manager in. Um, what's your feeling on that? I think it's, it's, it is probably twofold, Trevor. Uh, there is probably guys in the media, some of the big uh, writers who are also massive England fans, who possibly one day could see Eddie Howe as, as, as the England manager and they'd be quite keen on that idea. I think the easiest time to manage Newcastle under the new owners is right now where the expectations are at a level that you can deal with it. There was no no expectation at the start of this season they were going to be in the top four uh, because they hadn't spent as much money as some people thought they would have done. But he gets them into the top four. I think expectations are going to kill him uh, be, because then going back will never be accepted again. So I think this is the easiest time because of the expectations. Get into the top four. They'll expect that every year, but they'll also expect a trophy. So you've got to go chasing for the trophy as well. Play in Champions League as well as Premier League. We know how difficult that can be. I think that's going to be a massive challenge for Arsenal next year. Uh, you know, as much as we think where they're going to be next year, but Champions League and, and Premier League isn't. So I think Eddie will... I think the first time he hits hits a wall, once he's took him into the Champions League, is probably the first... That's when they're going to be looking to try and replace him with, with a bigger name. When you look at the far end, I mean, it's another bit of a free-for-all. It's hard to know where the cut-off point in terms of safety is. I suppose it's when you've got a three in your points total at the start from Bournemouth up, probably. But Leeds on 29, Leicester 28, Everton 28, Nottingham Forest 27 and Southampton adrift a little bit at 24. They've all got to be nervous. And looking at it on form, on just a gut feeling, on, on if you had to pick three, the three most likely, would you just leave it as it is there, say it's probably going to be Everton, Forest and Southampton? Or do you think Leicester might slump in there or Leeds might fall away? So, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a full round of fixtures this midweek. Southampton play Bournemouth at home. They win all yeah. of a sudden they're on twenty. Well, they win all of a sudden they're on twenty-seven. 
Everton on 28, but they play Newcastle. Uh, I think that's next. I think they play Newcastle uh, the next game. You know, probably getting nothing from that. And so Everton are in big trouble. Leicester got himself, what was a fortune win against Wolves? Uh, well, I have to say that Leeds, I almost feel like Leeds' best chance of staying up is to sack the manager yet again. Uh, really? Because, yeah, but this manager doesn't get the squad, Trevor. Leeds is an energetic squad. You need to let him play. Run around, play, press. He He's getting everybody behind the ball. They can't do it. They now lost three on the spin. They've conceded 13 goals. I fear for Leeds. I fear for Nottingham Forest because I think they they need another mini run of four, five, six games unbeaten with a couple of wins and a couple of draws. I don't think they've got that in them. Southampton, even should they beat Bournemouth, I still think it's they need to win another two or three games. I think that's possibly too much to ask. Uh, so, Forest and Southampton, for me, go. And I fear for Leeds. Fear for Leeds, which means uh, our, our blue-nosed pals might survive by skin their teeth. Be interesting to watch, for sure. And we will do that. Um, looking ahead to the next uh, fixture for Liverpool, um, which uh, is in a very short order uh, against West Ham uh, on Wednesday. We're recording this on Monday for the record in case you're uh, not sure when we did this. So this is Wednesday night at their place. Um, Their most recent run, very impressive win away at Bournemouth, 4-0. They had a 4-1 win against Ghent in in the Conference League. Uh, A 2-all draw with Arsenal, which is a very creditable result, and a 1-all with Ghent before that. They won away at Fulham before that. Um, And then the match previous to that, they got a bit of a tonking from Newcastle uh, at at home. which was a 5-1 uh, reversal. And the previous two before that was another win in the um, Conference League and a 1-0 home win against Southampton. Uh, it's basically overall a solid run of form, you'd have to say. And just to have a look at their last lineup in this 4-0, uh, where Antonio scored and Baqueta scored, Declan Royce scored and uh, Pablo Fornal scored, their lineup for that particular game, which will guess might be something like what we'll face, uh, was Fabianski, and then they had Agard and Zuma, a centre half, uh, Kufal and Cresswell, I decided them, Rice, Suchek, and Paqueta, and then uh, a, a normal front three of Ben Rama, Antonio, and Jared Bowen. Uh, they have a solid bench with Fornals there, they've got um, Lanzini. Uh, who was the name I think people were expecting more from. Danny Ings came on in that last game. Kerer, uh, Cornet, Flynn Downs came on as well. And they've got uh, Ariola and Agbana as well as that. So uh, I know you have the highest of regard for uh, David Moyes as a, a football man. And I think uh, the, it, it's, it's, it's admirable what they're doing and trying to balance that European competition with this and keep some sort of, obviously they have fallen away in terms of league form, but this run they're on at the moment ain't bad at all, Jan, and they're going to provide very stern opposition for us, I think. Yeah, they will. Absolutely. I mean, they found a bit of form uh, and it's at the right time. They got a strong squad. They got a squad that really should be up with the likes of Aston Villa, 
sort of fighting for eight, nine, yeah. ten place in, in in the Premier League. They heavily invested last summer. They haven't got uh, a lot from those players. Uh, I just hope for David. I mean, David Moyes will forever be tarnished with his time at Manchester United, and I'm not sure that's entirely fair because even bigger names than him came in after uh, Louis Van Gaal and Mourinho and whatever, and didn't do a particularly good job either. Then he had some poor choices of management after the United. Uh, but I think he's sort of landed on his feet now at West Ham. Even when they were in trouble, only six weeks ago, they stuck by him because I think they know what he stands for. You know, I think David Moyes will will, will, will take him up the league again and they'll be OK. I hope. I hope they win the Conference League. Uh, they're favourites to win it. They're playing Alkmaar in the semi-final. Fiorentina probably in the final. What a great city to play the final. I think it's in Prague, isn't it? So wonderful. So let's hope they bought it's going to be tricky on, on Wednesday. It will be tricky. They've got some good players. You mentioned the boy who scored Packers. They, they, they signed for 50 million, I think. He hasn't quite done it. Declan Rice is a really good player, as you know, Trevor. So it's going to be a tricky game. And they'll be up for it. They'll probably have a little bit more energy than us because they've only just come into their season sort of thing, isn't it? So it'll be a difficult game. You'd ask me two weeks ago, had they gone comfortably? We'll beat them by one or two goals. Now I'm not so sure. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Who would you like to see uh, for uh, the Reds uh, making an appearance there? Uh, it, it's, he's been notably reluctant to start Thiago. I wonder, is this the game where we finally see Thiago get a start? And if it is that, do you reckon it's Thiago, um, Fab and the captain? Is that the most likely trio? Or um, what, 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 what would you like to see in that midfield area? I, I don't see him changing the front three, which is bad news for Darwin Nunes. Um but I don't see him doing it. Uh, I, I've been very impressed with Cody Gakpo's play in general. He looks a real baller, this kid. And uh, I'm re- really, really impressed with him. And and uh, Moe's Moe. And obviously the other man's in a, in a scoring run. So I don't see that changing. I could be wrong. Maybe you see maybe you see him experimenting a little bit or changing it up. Maybe he has to change it up because it's a, a quick turnaround. What, do you, what, what changes would you expect to see, if any? Well, yeah, I mean, you just mentioned the, the, the sort of quick turnaround. We we obviously only have Premier League games to concentrate on uh, now, so we're not overly uh, busy with games. I mean, the only thing I could think of is the captain, possibly, uh, that with the amount of games that he's played of late. And I think I think he sort of struggled a little bit to inject that energy he normally injects into his play on Saturday. Uh, and Curtis, 
did, did Curtis build on his performance at Leeds? Probably not. Uh, but I don't think he's no. going to be. I don't think he's going to be making two changes. Could he put Thiago in there in an away game to try and gain some control? That would make sense. Who would make way then? Yeah, it, it could be either of them. But probably more likely to think it's be Henderson uh, than, than than Curtis. But just like you, Trevor, I do not expect a lot of changes. One, maybe two. Yeah. Are you? Do you find it controversial at all that Darwin Nunes is the starting games? Because I know an awful lot of people are completely scratching their head. And as you said last week, you know. The, the fans love him and he loves all that so it's a very positive situation when he came on they were chanting his name immediately uh he got his he get you know he's 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 the last day he comes on he, he gets a late goal as well i i have to admit just from an excitement point of view i like seeing him on the pitch um but i i feel like you that klopp is just gonna keep it comparatively safe and try to keep some sort of momentum and rhythm that's my feeling would would you like to see him in the team uh not at the moment no uh because i think what, really? we, what we yeah what we're using at the moment i think is quite working and and i, and I think we're we're capable of of, of, of making some set up play and we've got a clearer plan uh, davin Nunes is a little bit off the cuff and i think they've learned that and they've gone okay it's going to take a little bit longer than what we thought uh so whereas you can you can stick Cody Gakwe into that team and go, you now have to play to suit this team. Uh, Darwin Nunes gives me the impression it's the other way around. The team have to fa- find a way of playing with Darwin, whereas Cody is finding a way of playing with the team. So I think for the time being, it looks about right that he comes off the bench with that presence and that energy and that physical strength and whatever. I think that's probably his best position right now. Where he will be in 18 months' time in terms of whether it's clicked or not, I, I, I really don't know. But I agree with you. Leave the front three the way they are. Uh, and, 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 of course, you've got Diaz and, and Nunez uh, on the bench. I think Bobby's still going to be missing with, it, with the hamstring injuries. And so we, we, we got enough in a bot. No, I fully agree. With those front three at the moment, you know exactly what you're going to get. Let's not forget Shots is also te- tactically a very, very clever player. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, and 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 people are screeching for uh, Luis Diaz to be included from the start again, and they're just failing to understand the the, the caution that's going to be around him and reintroduce him very slowly uh, after that injury because it had such an effect on our season. I don't pe- people realize. I'm sure the manager's going to be very wary around that. So I'm going to finish uh, with uh, getting your your um, your take on the. Uh, score potentially but just before we do that just because we have a couple of minutes here I want to run a couple of things past you there's a story at the moment being um, floating about um, it's quoting Virgil from some time when he did an interview recently talking about um, the most impressive player that he's played with at international level Uh, and people are putting two and two together and seeing a Barcelona uh, fire sale because they need to get rid of some money uh, off their wage bill. And all of a sudden we have Frankie de Jong to Liverpool. Uh, now, there was a rumour about that last summer as well. Is he the kind of player do you think could fit in a, in a Klopp midfield? Uh, would, would that be something that would really excite you? I think he's a really good player. 
I don't think anyone doubts that he's a really good player. Uh, but I also think that that team he joins or the club, if he's leaving, has to play in a certain way to fit the way that he plays. And I'm not 100% sure we, we, we play in that way. So I can understand why Virgin would flag him up. Having said that, they haven't got a particularly great number of fantastic players at the moment, uh, the Netherlands. But Frankie de Jong is a good player. I've just got always got a feeling that, A, he's not keen on leaving. He he, he wants to be there. Uh, he wants to become a Barcelona legend. And I don't think Barcelona is over keen on selling him either. Uh, there's going to be a fire sale, but I think there's going to be players that move on before they move on in. Would, would I, what, at 70 million, Trevor, 70, 75 million euros? I'm not sure I'm a buyer at that price for Liverpool. I would be a buyer of Frankie de Jong, but maybe not for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems to be the, a golden price. And I, I'm sure you've noticed that already the stories have started to circulate. Uh, and we are getting told to manage our expectations around the idea of Moises Caicedo. He, now he's too expensive. Uh, and it's starting to get a little bit irritating. Uh, so we'll have to get, maybe give it a wide berth until we, we get some positive news. Because uh, it is, it's... I mean, I've the more I see of that kid, I just think, oh God, he's tailor made for a club midfield. Uh, Jan uh, Caicedo, he's just just high energy, aggressive. He's good on the ball. Oh my God, he's he's got exactly what we need. Uh, you kind of you, you do this a lot, Trevor. You steal my thunder, uh, and I'm not overly <laughs> impressed. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, mate. I, I was I was at this, the FA Cup semi final on Sunday. Manchester United Brighton dreadful game uh, but I was going to say to you before you I say but do you realise how good this kid is yeah can I say though because whoever gets him I, I don't know whether that's going to be next summer or whether they're going to keep on keep hold of him because they've also got McAllister that one or two people are looking at I can't see them selling them all uh, but can I say though yeah <laughs> I mean it's it's a bit like you know the impact that end goal like Kante had uh, with Leicester, and this kid is just something similar, isn't he? He just effortlessly covers the ground. Technically, very good. He's strong, isn't he? You know what I mean? He's he's still only a young boy, isn't he? So, wow, what a player! There are actually three you take there, right? You take him. You obviously take McAllister, although. I I imagine he's nailed on for City now that we know Gundogan's leaving. Um, and I'd be very interested in Matoma as well. I think that that guy's that guy's exciting. You're such a greedy man, Trevor. <laughs> I am a they, greedy they, man. They got Trevor. They got a 19-year-old striker who played in the semi-final, Enciso from Paraguay. Keep an eye on him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about uh, my my countryman, young young Ferguson? Uh, he's a hell of a player too. He, so. he is. We, we already we already know that, Trevor. I mean, you know, and he's only 18, isn't he? And the other one is only 19, isn't it? I don't know how to do it at Brighton, but to do something right, isn't it? But yeah, Ferguson is going to be a player as well. So there you've got five, you know, maybe even six players that you can, you can, um, the goalkeeper, one or two people will be interested in, 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 the, in the Spanish goalkeeper as well, isn't it? Yeah. They, they've, they've done some job. They've done some job, that's for sure, Brighton. Tony Bloom and the way he does it, yeah. Very, very impressive. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of the way Liverpool used to be very, very recently. But anyway, uh, we'll finish up by getting your take on how you reckon it's going to go against West Ham in two nights' time. 
how do you feel it's going to go? So there's obviously always something at stake, and we're chasing uh, European places, and West Ham are just chasing ending the season well and whatever. So it isn't like you've been used to where you have to win every game because you've got to try and win the title. So I think it will be an intense game. It might be a little bit of a loose game. And I actually think there's going to be goals. Uh, so I think we'll win 3-2. Love it. <laughs> Not sure if I can take another 3-2, Jan, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll take it. If it's a win, we'll absolutely take it. And that's where we'll wrap it up for this week. Myself and Jan will be back with you next week. I'm not really sure. But again, Jan, as ever, for another great show. Thanks very much. Wonderful, Trevor. And uh, enjoy the midweek games. And uh, we'll speak next week. We shall. We shall. And we will talk to you when we do. And when we arrange now in a few minutes, uh, we will pick a date and we'll be back with you next week from Moby on the Spot. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.